obviously having been someone that was always like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I mm. suppose it would just be like accepting that it's okay to not fine um, and find somebody that you, you trust and someone that you think will at least just listen. They don't even need to give you an answer or solve the problem for you. But, you know, the last couple of years when I've actually opened up, it just feels so much easier when you're like, oh, bit of a weight off my shoulders because now somebody else knows what you're going through instead of them kind of maybe thinking that you're struggling with something but they don't really know how to ask because all you're going to say is I'm fine which is what I used to do. Welcome to the Find the Gap podcast where we're going to focus on the health and well-being of the support personnel and practitioners within high-performance sport. This will act as a platform for practitioners to share their own insights and experiences that have helped them to progress to where they are today, as well as being a safe environment which they can touch upon moments of vulnerability and other emotional battles that they've had to overcome in order to be successful. My name is Sam, and thanks for joining me on Finding Up Podcast. The Finding Up Podcast is brought to you by Sustainable Sports. Sustainable Sports is an apparel company designed for every athlete. Every piece of apparel is produced and made from recycled plastic bottles, which at the end of the period of use can be returned to be remade into new apparel. 80% of discarded textiles can just sit there for more than 200 years, which emits a methane, a powerful greenhouse gas to be more potent than carbon. Sustainable Sports look to be an apparel company that uses 100% recycled polyester fabric to help protect the planet. Sustainable Sports understands the difficulties in community level sports and the struggles that the local clubs have to endure throughout a season to get their players on the park. Sustainable Sports is made up of the individuals who are passionately involved within sports at the grassroots levels. So in today's episode, I'm talking to Beatrice Devlin. And Beatrice is a strength and conditioning coach within the AFL, as well as with Ludus Sports Performance. She's also worked with Subiaco Football Club, as well as being an AFLW player herself with the West Coast Eagles. She's still currently working in the industry as a strength and conditioning coach, but she's also looking for further development and further pathways with her playing career in the AFLW. So I'm very excited to have a chat with her to see and dive into the uh, similarities and differences between being a player and being a practitioner within the industry. So uh, without any further ado, here is the episode with Beatrice. Perfect. All right. So Beatrice, thank you very much for jumping on this episode. How are you doing today? Not too bad, Sam. Thank you very much for inviting me and wanting me to come on the show. I'm very excited about what we're going to talk through. So yeah, exciting. Yeah, beautiful. So what, what time is it for you now? It's 2.30? Uh, 2.30, yep. 2.30 in the afternoon over in Perth. Yeah, perfect. So you just finished off lunch and we're just about to start dinner down here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds weird to put it like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. I I'm talking to other guys over in... Um, over in Oxford at the moment in London and he's just Ooh. waking up while I'm just about to go to bed and just um, quoting those times and you can see the difference in the faces of one person just completely exhausted from the whole day yeah. and the other person just bright and happy ready like, to go. <laughs> just to get us flying, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a bit about yourself. Um, so maybe just a bit of where you've come from, uh, maybe where you grew up or educational yep. background or you know yep. wherever you got to where you are today. Yep. All right. Um, well, obviously, we're going to spill into things a little bit. I'll keep it relatively brief. So I've been born and bred in Perth, Western Australia my whole life. Um, never really ventured too far away from WA, which isn't too bad. Never really felt the need to. But yeah, so born and bred here. Um, obviously, went to school here, went to a private school um, called Emmanuel Catholic College. So very grateful all the times and teachers and people that I had there. Some really great mentors. Um, always been really highly motivated and driven to do the best that I can. So 
I went to uni, did sports science at Murdoch University as my undergrad, with a few other little names in there, but basically just a sports science degree. And then went and did my honours, uh, did some stuff with blood flow restriction with Brendan Scott. Um, honours was a tough sort of challenge. Um, didn't probably quite pan out the way that I wanted it to. Um, we had an initial plan for a study and then because of my own sporting commitments and time that I had available, um, probably didn't quite realise it at the time, but it was a very hard juggle to try and do some testing. We'll try and do some stuff with soccer players and they were training in the afternoon. I trained in the afternoon, didn't really quite work out. So, mm-hmm. But we got, got a thesis submitted and did all right. Um, and then I just finished my master's in strength and conditioning at ECU last semester. So that was really cool. Um, obviously, you know, that's what I'm really passionate about, coaching and working with athletes, being an athlete myself. Um, and then, yeah, so to reiterate on that, so I've played footy since I was six years old. So I'm 23 now, so very, very long time. Went through Auskick, played juniors with the boys, um, and then moved into youth girls, which is Colts, basically. Um, then did all the estate pathway stuff, so under-16s, under-18s, a um, couple of little awards and stuff along the way. And then, yeah, got drafted in AFLW with Freo for the first two years there. Um, then I ruptured my ACL, which is where I kind of really started to grow a bit of a passion for like rehab and particularly more. And I always wanted to work in sport and be in SEC, but I suppose I didn't really know what that was until like I got injured, um, which seems to be the case for a lot of people. You don't really realise things because something bad happens. Um, and then I was at West Coast the last two years leading into this year, which I'm not there anymore because of the injury again. Um, but I think it's only helped me become a better coach and understand the, the balance and the, the mental side of struggle through some of those things. So, yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, perfect. And um, I did a little bit of um, uh, creeping before this. Just looked up your, link, <laughs> your LinkedIn profile and it said that you um, <clears throat> you worked as a, a sandwich artist at Subway, which I love the label, the sandwich artist. You, <laughs> you, you worked there at the same time that you were playing AFLW, correct? Yep, and a few other jobs as well. <laughs> and, a, and a few other jobs. I just, just I want to paint a picture like for me in a second. You were AFLW, um, mm-hmm. it was considered the, t- the highest league in AFL for women in Australia, yep. while also working at Subway and several other jobs. Yep, and studying at uni. <laughs> and, and studying at uni. Okay, so let alone being on a lot to deal with. How did, how did that kind of, how did that kind of feel that, or like what, just walk me through how that kind of felt being at the top level and also having all these other commitments that, for example, men don't go through at the top AFL league? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I was kind of used to it. So all through high school, I always did lots of extracurricular school stuff and sport. Um, I'm pretty lucky, I'm relatively smart and obviously quite good at sport. So I kind of did, a bit of everything and um, a very dedicated trainer and if you ask most people I've worked with probably overtrained but that's just because I love it and want to get the best out of myself so I suppose mm-hmm. growing up through school and stuff I always had to try and have some sort of balance between um, you know my parents are obviously always very much like okay you can play sport whatever but you've got to have something in case things don't quite work out so school and balancing that was always super important um, so I suppose at the time, looking back at it now, it was a lot, but I suppose I was like, oh, this is just something that I have to do, have to yeah. work. So I was at Subway, um, was obviously studying uni full-time. So my undergrad at the time when I was at Freer, which is when AFLW started, so this is 2016. So that was my first year at uni. Oh, sorry. And then 2017, I was in second year at Freo as well. Then I was working at Subway, was working at the gym that I still currently work at, Luda Sport. Um, and then I was doing some stuff with um, Auskick. Um, coordinating their little programs there and then trying to trying to have a little bit of a life which I probably didn't really have at the time like I was very much football 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 and looking 
and it probably wasn't until I ruptured my ACL that I realized like there's a lot more to life than mm. kicking a leather ball around or studying, having your head in a book. Um, so again, looking back at it now, I think rupturing my ACL was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, to, to answer your kind of question, it was a lot like, you know, I would get up to go train, do my gym stuff early in the morning and then go to uni <clears> all day. And then we'd go to footy at night and it was basically every day of the week. And then when you get into the AFL system, you know, we wouldn't, especially the first couple of years at Frio, um, because, you know, early days in the, the whole AFLW world, everything wasn't quite really, nobody really knew how to plan things out. Not that anyone didn't try, but there was just lots of different moving parts and obviously a new competition, lots of things changing as we went. Um, like we would get to the club probably like four. I was pretty lucky. I lived like five minutes away from Fremantle's Coburn base, so that was great. But we'd get to the club about 4, 4.30 and then some nights, you know, especially our main training nights, we weren't getting home till probably like 10, 30, 11. And then I was quite, I mean, it was stressful for me. I was at uni or not, but I didn't have like a full-time job that, some of the girls would have to get up at like four o'clock in the morning to go then do their work the next day. And it's like, it's just ridiculous. Like, and then for people to mm. bag out AFLW players for not being skilled enough or whatever, it's like, well, we only technically were allowed at that time anyway to be at the club 12 hours a week. Everybody did more because we needed to, to get better and improve, but you weren't getting paid for that. Um, and there were lots of late nights and we all had other commitments to do during the day. So like you mentioned, no disrespect to the boys either, but all they really have to do is play footy. Like, they get paid for all the hours that they do. Obviously, they do extra stuff, but they get paid well enough that it covers that gap, whereas obviously we get paid not much. Obviously, it's gotten better, but, mm. you know, and the expectation, everyone has really high expectations of themselves because we're at the elite level, but what you kind of have to do and what you actually get a sort of financial reward for or and then to get people shooting you down all over social media and you're like, hang on a minute, like, stop comparing us to the boys. It's totally, totally mm. not the same thing. We don't. You know, especially early days, um, Freo weren't great at letting the girls have access to things, which you know, I'm sure anyone would say to you now, and I know Freo's got better at that, and I'm sure most AFLW clubs were the same. It was a bit like, oh, cool, we got this new toy, AFLW, but nobody knew what to do with it, so it just kind of got thrown in the corner. Um, and I think mm. the AFL as a whole probably was a little bit like that early days too. They're like, cool, look at this bright new thing that we've got. Oh, but we don't really, like, don't really care that much about it, so... That was definitely, and we all felt that and we all struggled through that, which was really hard, but I suppose brought us all together. So it's a huge challenge and mm. a lot to try and juggle. And having done that from, you know, 18, 18 19, I'm kind of used to it, but it would be nice to know what it would be like if you didn't have to have 10 million different things going on at once <laughs> if we yeah. just got to play the sport that we love. So mm. hopefully one day um, little girls growing up now will maybe be able to go into the AFL system and it'll be full-time like the boys. Again, the game will always be different because women and men are obviously different. Um, mm. But that would hopefully one day be the dream. I doubt I'll be playing, but it'll be nice to be able to watch other people do that. Mm-hmm. Well, like in saying that, because being an athlete, possibly still an athlete, and now a practitioner within the industry yeah. of women's sport, um, what what is it what is the in your opinion what does the future look like do you reckon um well i think as a whole people <clears throat> need to start giving women's sport and women female coaches the recognition that they deserve i think a lot of people just tie you all with the same brush like oh you're just a female blah, blah. i was like well we work just as hard if not harder um mm. because obviously we've never got given anything and again no disrespect to male competitions but obviously there's a lot more money thrown at them there's a lot more resources given to them. So anyone that's like, oh, the girls always get injured or whatnot. It's like, well, hang on, let's take a step back. Why does that happen? So when I first started playing like Waffle, move up from youth girls to league, um, like we were training at some suburban oval 
change rooms basically were non-existent. The lights sucked. We had the oval was crap. And then you look at the Waffle Boys, obviously they train at Waffle Grounds, which are better. Um, so I play at Subiaco now. So Subiaco in the women's competition is one of the premier clubs. Like formerly Coastal Titans have won, I think they've won about 15 of the 25 premierships or whatever. And they've basically been in the finals every year. Uh, we don't train at Leadable Oval. We've, we've only just started playing home games there a couple of years ago because they really forced the kind of alignment with the men's team. But prior to that, we're training out of an oval that like there was this hill and if the ball rolled down the hill, you had to run onto the road basically to go get it. Like things like that. We have no access to um, facilities and stuff like that. No gym equipment. Like, mm, if you wanted wow. to go to the gym, you have to do it on your own. Um, I'm the SNC there now at the moment as well. And it's pretty hard to write a program for 60 girls when you don't know what they have access to. And you yourself have access to nothing down at the club. And I mean, we did, you know, have a really good physio and people mm. around me to try and support through that, but it's hard. Like how, how are you supposed to rehab people when you can't see them at the gym or you can't really prescribe them anything at training because we don't have a bike or we've got mm. one bike that's broken. Like, So what exactly do you have access to like in within a gym facility? Do you have much? At waffle level? Uh, yep. We don't get to use the Subiaco men's gym. We tried for a little bit. They let us yep. and then the boys season started and they basically kicked us out. Um, yeah, right. AFL level obviously is very different. Um, mm-hmm. We get access to the club. But again, last year, the last couple of years with COVID, that was a little bit tricky, like in terms mm. of when we could be there and stuff like that. But that wasn't really like, that's just the way things had to be. But mm-hmm. at, at Waffle level, it's it's particularly here. I don't know what it's like in other states, but WA is pretty far behind mm-hmm. um, in terms of actually, you know, we say we care about women's footy, but how can you say you care when, you know, people aren't really getting you know staff aren't really getting paid and they're doing a lot because they love it and but you can't rely on people loving it forever like that's not fair like i'm sure people Mm. in men's programs love it too but they actually get remunerated for it so yeah right right Uh, i'm listening to um a podcast um with you know lucky wilmot ever heard that name yeah um yeah yeah, boys at athletes authority over in uh, new south wales oh they're they're doing great stuff down there also Mm. up there for me um but um they (laughs) They had a podcast recently. I can't remember his name. I'm going to absolutely butcher the reference or whatnot, but I'll just remember that what they said. Um, <clears throat> there was a, I think, a female or a coach within Duke University, I think it was, uh, mm-hmm. and they went over to the March Madness quite some time ago, last season, I think it was. Oh, yeah. That's the NBA thing, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, the NBA, like the college basketball tournament, basically. Mm, mm. And the boys were given a gym facility, for example, racks set up all the all the niceties, like racks, mm. several, like a lot. Uh, and then there's a famous shot of what the boys got com- what, compared to what the girls got. And the girls yeah. got not just, they didn't get a rack. They got a few mats, I think, and then a rack, like a rack of dumbbells that were max like 12 kilos. Um, so I'm just thinking of and like the guy who's responsible for that. The guy is responsible for, um, okay, let me just set up this thousands of dollars worth of this, uh, do- uh, facility for the men's and yeah. then we just got to go down to Kmart or Target and pick up the stuff yeah. for the women's. Like Buy it's just whatever they've got left. Yep. It's backwards, isn't it? It's such um, a joke. And then for people to question why women's sport hasn't developed, it's like, well, if you don't give the resources, how's it ever going to get better? Like there are plenty of good athletes and fantastic coaches in there, but there's only so much that people can do with nothing. Like, mm nothing is nothing like you can't make more from it yeah correct 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 no i think we are getting 
you know, women's women's well, soccer. getting better. Hundred percent, but... especially with the women's AFL, uh, women's mm. uh, W League. I think is definitely in that. The the soccer is definitely yeah. getting better. Women's cricket's being recognised more slowly. It's not oh. where it needs to be. Slowly getting there, which is mm. good. But I want to they take the. Sh- to be the Sorry. leaders. I think cricket has seems to be doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, in progressing relatively mm. quickly. You know, I don't know. If, I don't know if you've seen the um the A League as well. What they've just done. Um, mm, but- the a leagues now not just a league w mm. league and the youth league it's a leagues so then the mm. men's the women's and the youth they're all in within the one league yeah all recognized together which is good not in the one league they're all recognized together because <laughs> yeah. that would be interesting seeing the youth go against the men's would be interesting but um mm, no it's the, be. Yeah, uh, but it's 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 good it's a good initiative um mm. and it'll be good to see how they go forward but i'm taking another shift from back towards athletes now towards you as a practitioner um yep. do you feel like there's any kind of like or a certain image that uh being a female practitioner and a strength and conditioning coach as well there's a certain mm. image that's almost like an expectation that you're how you how you're presented in the gym as it being a female there's that expectation there just because you're a female coach definitely i think um probably me personally i haven't experienced it too much but i think that's because i'm quite vocal like I'm a coach. I shouldn't get treated any differently, mm-hmm. and I'm quite lucky. the um, The gym that I work at, we're quite paramount and forefront in trying to make things quite equal and respecting coaches, no matter what gender they are. But um, definitely have had you know people look at you a bit funny, like well, you're a girl, like you can't. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can lift just as well as anyone else. Yes, okay, the weights I can move aren't the same, but it doesn't mean I can't teach you how to lift it. Um, and then I like obviously. I know a lot of my friends have been subjected to a few different things because they're female. I was like told they can't wear certain things or have been removed from jobs because they were in the boys club and they were doing things differently because obviously men and women think very differently and certain guys don't like people sharing their opinion, particularly if it's a female's opinion. So it's easy just to get rid of them. And I've seen that happen and that's pretty heartbreaking um, knowing that that's happening to some of your closest friends and mentors. But um, I wouldn't say too much. Like, at least where I work, I'm very lucky where I work. That mm. doesn't really seem to affect me. But definitely when you go tell people that you're a strength and conditioning coach, they're like, but you're a girl. Like, mm. like really? yes, there's nothing that says you have to be a boy. Like, mm-hmm. But I suppose in terms of, you know, you're trying to branch out and apply for other jobs. I definitely think that that hinders me a little bit purely because I'm a female. And I'm like, well, mm. that's stupid. Like, I can coach yeah. just as well as anyone. Like, Okay. Well, I'll give you, I'll get your opinion on this because I think that a lot of, uh, personal trainers and, and strength coaches in general for men hmm. is the typical image of being you know muscly tall like yep. strong posture yep. kind of thing like that kind of image that's an image that there dominating saying, kind of image. yeah not saying it should be not saying that that is hmm. that ha- you have to be that that is the criteria yep. to be a trainer or a coach hmm. but it's like there's that image that that's what a trainer would be like yep. um same as you know a doctor would be with a suit on his stethoscope yeah. over that for example yep. um and then if it's not that it's it's quite or it's questioned or it's looked on weirdly for example or for and what i'm saying now is for women not having that that muscular you know broad shoulder kind of look yeah. it's almost like there's an image there for women practitioners of like um uh, your your character more so than your image yeah so uh and i want your opinion yeah. on this like do you feel like there's a there's, as a women practitioner you're judged more so on your character than rather than what you are you're capable of doing or your your actual physical image Hundred percent. I feel like you get a lot of. You have to feel like you're performing at your best all of the time, and or that your best is not good enough. So you always have to feel like you have to do better. Whereas, um, from what I can perceive, there's 
men out there coaching quite poorly and nobody ever calls him up on it because they're like, oh, it's just so-and-so, like he's been here forever. But mm. if that was a female, it'd be like you'd be you're under the microscope all of the time. And I've definitely felt that, like everything, I'm like, oh, I have to make sure I'm perfect today because so-and-so might see. And I'm like, that's stupid. I shouldn't even have to worry about that because a lot of people don't, you know, guys don't have to worry about that. And the character side of things definitely in terms of being labelled too emotional or too too invested or you care too much. I've had that thrown around at me and I know some of my friends have as well. And I'm like, if that is the worst thing that somebody does, like I care too much about my athletes, like how on earth is that a bad thing? Like mm. I just want what's best for them and I have to care about them to facilitate that. Yeah. I've had the experience of working with a coach who didn't give a rat's ass about what happened to me or any of the girls that he had to coach and a lot of us got injured and didn't get to play and that's purely because he didn't give a shit my, mm. my language so it was like no go for it we've got the got the explicit level <laughs> that's good um yeah. so yeah i definitely feel like you get looked at a lot like oh mm. are they upset today or like are they a bit moody and i'm like yeah why do i get judged on that there's nothing wrong with having emotions or letting them spill out and i think that's what makes female coaches so beneficial for programs mm-hmm. to have because you have a different different lens like we should be able to work together it should be like either you work with the boys or you work with the girls i'm like I have no issues coaching boys. I have no issues being coached by a boy, but don't pigeonhole people in because they're male or female or don't judge them because, oh, well, you know, you're not six foot tall and ripped like like a guy. So we're mm. going to judge you on how you, yeah, like you mentioned your character or how you talk or how much research you know. And I was like, well, whether I know that or not, why do you not judge that the same for other people? Like, mm. Yeah. everyone should be based off the same sort of criteria if you're going to judge people at all at the end of the day like everyone's different so it shouldn't really matter if you can coach you can coach it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't matter what you look like or how you talk or the way you present it if you can get people from a to b and they perform and they don't get injured then that's mm-hmm. really what we're trying to do isn't it <laughs> yeah 100 percent. it's about building the relationship rather than the like the label and the and what's in front of you kind of thing that athlete-centered approach like I've been really lucky I've had some great coach-athlete relationships and that's why I think I value it so highly because I'm like I know how much of a difference that makes if I know that they care about me mm-hmm. or they're looking after me as not just the athlete but as the person then I'm only going to perform better because I know that they care and then mm-hmm. when I put my coach's hat on I'm like okay this person might not need me to yell and scream not that I really do that but they don't need that for me they need me to be there to support them if they fall or fail which is totally okay but as long as someone's there to catch them so to speak and you build that rapport then your athletes are always going to listen and buy into what you want to do because they know you're actually invested in them. You're not just doing it to tick a box and be like, oh, cool, off you go, go play. Like, I'm like, no, I'm actually invested and want to make sure you get the best out of yourself and, and I'll be here to help you if, if that doesn't quite happen. Like, we're in this as a team. It shouldn't be like coach, athlete. It should be, they should work together to achieve the best result, in my opinion. Yeah, no, well said. I like that. That's very well said. Um, well, then adding on that, do you reckon that, um, well, in your opinion, as a strength mm-hmm. coach, are we be- are we behind with opening up about mental health issues within the high performance industry, within the high sporting industry? And if so, what's your kind of role in combating that? I think um, it's definitely getting better. Um, my time at West Coast as an athlete, um, we had dedicated people to, to wellness and, um, you know, the psychological side of things. So, in the women's space, it's definitely getting better. I feel like in the men's space, it's still a little bit like ooh, emotions, feelings. But from an SNC point of view, I think it comes down to the coach because I had a really good female coach who knew when someone was off and would communicate that with our wellness staff and would talk to you in a certain way to get, not the answer, but like work out what was going on and then ratify to do that and then 
have again worked in a similar sort of space where people didn't care and didn't take on like couldn't read the physical body language cues for oh someone's having a crap day like I wonder why they just totally ignored it and then were like oh why are they not performing it's like no shit mate why do you think they're not performing like you know, have you asked like um, so I think a little bit behind in some aspects I know where I work at Ludus we've been really big on we did a whole mentorship thing on vulnerability opening up changing from like kind of that outcome goal to kind of like a progress sort of goal obviously you're always going to have outcomes but taking it away from like if you don't achieve that that doesn't mean you failed like you've mm. grown in other areas so um yeah i think it just depends on where you are like i know here we're really big on it and we've tried worked really hard to try and all be quite vulnerable because then i suppose if we can then be vulnerable then our athletes will be vulnerable back and again like i mentioned before that will only benefit everybody but i think a little bit behind but then it, it depends on, on who you are and mm. and what you kind of believe in yeah no i get that i get that whatever you say would you have been the most as a practitioner um or as an athlete either or but when, when have you been the most vulnerable um probably probably as an athlete but then that's helped me do it as a practitioner i suppose as well um last so when I, I tore my hamstring September last year and obviously you know 2020 was pretty crap for a lot of people and that was me included I had a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. um you know a few personal issues that I had to sort out that didn't really help and then tearing my hamstring wasn't great um and I suppose I really struggled with that so we just changed over some of our staff at West Coast and in my opinion for wasn't a good idea to do that um but anyway that happened um and then new people came in some of them were working really hard but there's just one particular staff member who didn't want to be there didn't respect women's sport I don't think otherwise he wouldn't have done as poor of a job as he did um so that was really frustrating I was really really struggling um so then I really had to open up with people and then I suppose from my mindset point of view I was like I don't know if I'll get back and then all I want to do is play footy like and then I suppose I just kind of let everything else spill out that had kind of happened in the lead up to tearing my hamstring and I think if anyone had read the wellness stuff that I was putting in leading up to that point they probably would have realized it was B's not having a great time at the moment um so that's why I really believe in checking wellness reports and doing them because not that they're going to prevent injury but I think if somebody had taken the time to read them like stress levels were like through the roof wasn't really sleeping um was struggling a little bit with eating because a few things that were going on couldn't really feel like it um and some people knew, but the right sort of people that could make sort of change about it weren't really taking it in. Um, mm-hmm. So I suppose opening up that I was really frustrated with how everything was going with my injury and then actually I, I never used to be very good at sharing what I was going through or struggling with. And then I was like, I have to, like, you know, this is contextually important. So then I just kind of got better, spilled some um, pretty heavy stuff that mm. for me personally that was really hard um, and I used to kind of be like, oh, people don't want to know, like they'll judge me. And after I opened up, everyone's like, wow, I didn't mm. know you felt like that or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I just done this the whole time. It's probably <laughs> been so much easier. But mm-hmm. hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? Um, but yeah, having gone through that, obviously injury-wise, it's been really challenging, but I think it's made me a better person and obviously resilient and things like that, words that people often associate with me. And I'm pretty proud that people um, put that to me and it's something that I'm really happy to be known for, um, you know, hard work and resilience. So then I think as in a coach, when I can see people are struggling, I kind of like share a little bit about what I've gone through to hope that maybe they can relate to that and then we can build build a bit of rapport off that. But I think having gone through what I've gone through, 
can at least sit and listen and be like, okay, I can understand like how crap this must be for you. Like one of my clients at the moment, um, she ruptured her ACL similar time to when I tore my hamstring and then we started working together. Obviously, I've been through an ACL reconstruction rehab before and know that it never goes well. Like it's basically like the whole little roller coaster and it sucks and random things happen and you're like, why the heck does this have to happen to me? But mm. being able to be there for somebody else, be like, okay, my, my rehab journey was pretty rough, but I had some great people around me. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be like those people that were there for me. I'll try and be there for you. And yeah, right. Yeah, I'd say that client of mine is probably one of my closest friends now because we've shared a lot and she's opened up because I was quite open about some of the stuff that I've been through. And it only helps, I think, if you mm. can be vulnerable. Obviously, you can't do it with everybody because you have to build that trust and connection first. But being able to do that as an athlete and then I was like oh, okay look how beneficial this was I was like okay so if I can then try and guide people like people guided me to open up then it'll mm-hmm. help them be better so yeah cool and thanks for sharing that which was good but and again butt in whenever you want to but was your your response to these kind of feelings when you were injured was that you know you weren't sleeping well uh your, your mm-hmm. eating habits were a bit off am I correct yep yeah, yeah. so um yeah, I guess I, when I get in, obviously get upset and I've had a fair few like long-term kind of injuries um, and they, the last two that I've had kind of compounded when some other stuff in my personal life went a bit wrong because sort of mm-hmm. like everything just went to shit all at the same time. Just added up. Um, yeah, and I suppose like initially or it used to be, hopefully it's not too bad anymore, but like my stress response would be to like either not eat or then like kind of not check out, but like get really introverted and then I would like overtrain in other areas and mm. stress out about everything not really sleep because like brain ticking the whole entire time overthinking about little things is kind of how I used to mm. um, deal with things Hope, I'm trying to get better at that but mm. you know those things don't change overnight no. um, but yeah so injury was definitely a big big struggle but mm. again I think I'm better for having been through that stuff yeah cool and what would you say then has probably been you had your your people your friends and and family help you open up about it would you say that's you know what was your biggest support network that got you through that or did you find any other tools and tips and tricks that got you through those times um i think the support network that i had that i built so like some ssas that i've worked with um um, physios that i've worked with have been really really supportive and how to just open up to them um, because they obviously know you but the how to share different experiences with them was quite different and really helpful to me and then they would share what they've been through so I think the, the relationships and bonds that I've built with the, the people that I've been really lucky to go through rehab with I suppose has mm-hmm. helped me they, like they've pushed me when I need to get pushed but also like you know been there to hold you when you know things go a bit wrong um mm-hmm. so yeah building that sort of relationship with those people has definitely taught me a lot about myself and then challenged me a little bit to then continue to grow and get better and I think that's why you know not every time I've been injured it's okay well we want to get better like we got to be better than we were before because obviously before wasn't good enough because we got injured so Mm. um that's sort of the mindset I've always taken with things always want to be the best that I can be and then to have people around me that wanted to do that but I suppose the biggest thing that all of them put in me was like okay you do need a break from from rehab or training sometimes so um i have a dog um, a little dog sheba she's great um so take her for walks and and Perfect. just take her out and about like i love nature being outside um mm-hmm. doing things that you enjoy and then yeah getting away from it a little bit sometimes too it was hard initially particularly um early days with my knee i was like no but i have to do this all the time and then um, yeah, right. you know, interact with different people and you're like oh, okay it's actually okay to go out and and read or go for a walk or hang out with your friends like do other things that aren't 
sport because they actually help clean your mental health, which helps mm-hmm. your whole health. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to acknowledge the both of them. They work together. Yeah, it's interesting on how mood might actually, you know, mm. inha- I'm not, this is not any kind of study proving this or anything, but how how mood might actually, you know, be- help benefit, you know, return to play or mm. how it might actually yep. help you recover. Um, 100%. And, you know, you're, I'm just just getting this feel from when we're talking that you're uh, obviously being an athlete, if you're injured, you, you get quite angst about getting back out there to play and whatnot. You just need to, because yeah. n- nobody likes ever getting injured. They just want to be out there playing. No. <laughs> But does that now follow through to you being your, your training now? If um, do you, does your mental health or your well being and your training kind of flow into effect with each other? Like, do you need that training to feel well? Do you need to be well to train, et cetera? Yeah. So I suppose like early days, particularly last year during when we were in lockdown and had a few things going on, I loved training, but then I was kind of using it as my outlet to feel better as well. So then yeah. kind of tied into overtraining, which we all know is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. um but yeah so I think I can definitely train when things aren't going well like and then I use it kind of as my outlet but then I've tried to find other things to do as an outlet so that training doesn't become like not that it would ever be to me I don't think like a chore or oh mm-hmm. I have to go train but you don't want to ruin the thing you love if you make it when you're happy and sad like so yeah. I think yeah I try and just train when I need to train now and then find something else to do when things aren't going quite so well because otherwise I'll just stay in rehab longer because <laughs> they'll make things worse so yeah okay that's good it sounds like you definitely um you definitely got the right mindset at the moment which is good and <laughs> and then i know in saying that what would you say that you are struggling with the most right now oh um i suppose there's always that like doubt of whether you're good enough or um, i struggle a lot with like what i perceive people expect from me um, so I've had a lot of conversations with people really close to me. They're like, people that matter won't care whether you're still playing AFL, whether you're not, whether you, you've played 100 games or whatnot, like they, it won't matter to them. Um, so I suppose that's what I have struggled with for a long time, but I probably didn't tell anybody till last year or earlier this year that I was like, oh, I really struggle with, I guess, fun like performance anxiety or that, that perception of an expectation of trying to carry what everyone else thinks. Like I've, you know, it's always been an issue for me ever since I was a like, teenager. I was like, I've got to do well because that's what they expect or I don't want to let anyone down. And, you know, now that I've gotten a bit older, everyone's like, you never let anyone down as long as you, you know, you're being yourself and you're trying your best, which everybody always knows that you're trying your best. So I was like, oh, okay. But that's still something that I, that I really struggle with. Um, you have a few things that I'm trying to work through at the moment. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to let them down or I don't want to do this because then they'll be disappointed. Everyone's like, just worry about you. Like everyone that cares about you will support you no matter what decision you make. Like, they want your best interests at heart. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's true. But that's still that kind of mental struggle for me a little bit, I suppose, whether mm. I should or shouldn't think about those sorts of things. But yeah, that's probably my biggest, biggest struggling point at the moment, whether I'm like, oh, am I good enough or should I keep trying or, mm-hmm. you know, should I just throw in the towel and just be a coach, so to speak. So yeah, lots of different things. <laughs> yeah. Does that kind of like, you know, what a lot of the guys that I talk to, they, uh, the thing of uh, the imposter syndrome comes up. So about, you know, mm. are, are you good enough in that, that voice in the back of your head? Like, have I got the right skills? Is there someone better than me in this vision that can yeah. give this service? But do you ever transition from that thinking of, you know, are you good enough on the field? Does that ever happen to you as a, as a coach? Like, do you feel like, oh, am I the right person for this job? Does that ever kind of nag in the back of your head? 
Yeah, a little bit. And I think that also then stems a little bit of, again, being a female in the industry where there's not a lot of us and and seeing some people that I hold really highly not be able to get jobs. I'm like, well, if they can't get a job, how am I supposed to get a job? Like, you know, it's in my head, they're, but they're better than me. And I'm like, how am I supposed to get better and improve if, if mm. someone so can't get a job because I hold, I think they're amazing. Like, so it definitely creeps in a little bit. I think I'm a, getting a little bit better in, you know, valuing and a little bit of self-worth a lot more than probably what I used to, but um, particularly in the sports, then he's probably a little bit more prominent, but definitely, definitely is still there um, in that workspace as well. Yeah. Well said. Very well said. Um, I want to hit you with uh, three kind of like quick fire questions now, but um, okay. But the first, the first little uh, quick fire question I want to ask you is: um, Would you, could you think of like an embarrassing event that's happened in the past that maybe had an, like a permanent effect on you? So like that permanent effect could be a good effect or a bad effect, but something as a child or something in your history as a in, in school or through studies or playing footy that's had a now a permanent effect on you. Oh, I don't know. I like to think I don't do anything that's embarrassing. <laughs> Um, I think well I've done some silly I mean I never used to be very good at skipping I remember when I was younger I was skipping outside once and I was like mum watch and then I like fully face planted and then I never skipped again for like 15 years so I suppose yeah. that had a pretty profound impact that's, on me it's a very traumatic yeah. event <laughs> yeah I guess I was always like oh I don't want to show mum what I'm doing because I was like all my face again so yeah jeez I mean I suppose maybe that's one and then anything kind of like hand sandy I've always been really like oh gotcha gotcha well the next question i want to ask you then is what have you had to sacrifice majorly to be where you are today um time with um people friends and probably looking after myself a little bit i suppose um mm-hmm. you know actually sitting down and doing things that i want to do instead of just training all the time it's probably been the biggest sacrifice so i suppose for a long time it was a little bit of that mental health because I just kind of was like, no, I'm fine. I'll deal with it later or I can track through and do it on my own. Um, and then as you grow up, you realize that there's things that you can't do on your own and you need other people's help. So that's probably the biggest thing that I've, I've sacrificed to get to where I am time with people around me and people that I want to be with. And then yeah, just that mental sort of looking after myself has probably been the biggest thing that I've probably had to sacrifice. Yeah. No, I know I said on a concise answer, but when I want to dig on that just a tiny little bit, um, you mentioned that kind of like a uh, mindset of, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get through this. I'll harden up and I'll get through this. It's fine. Yeah. What's what your, kind of your advice. If someone had that mindset of, oh, I'm feeling depressed about this because I'm not getting picked or whatever, or yeah. I'm feeling anxious about starting this role on a bigger, bigger stage, but I'm fine. I'll, I'll put it in the back of my head and I'll deal with it my own. Like what's your mm. advice to someone who's going through that kind of stuff? Um, well, obviously having been someone that was always like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I mm. suppose it would just be like, accepting that it's okay to not find um and find somebody that you you trust and someone that you think will at least just listen they don't even need to give you an answer or solve the problem for you but find someone that will listen and just just show or tell them what you're going through because it's a lot like you know the last couple of years when I've actually opened up it just feels so much easier when you're like oh bit of a weight off my shoulders because now somebody else knows what you're going through instead of them kind of maybe thinking that you're struggling with something but they don't really know how to ask because all you're going to say is i'm fine which is what i used to do like oh it's not a problem it's fine and then deep down you're like i'll just go low key cry myself to sleep but rock up to work or whatever the next day i'm fine 
Um, so yeah, I suppose just finding someone that you can confide in and just just tell them because it just will take so much pressure off your shoulders. And yeah, there's nothing we have to do alone as long as you feel comfortable sharing it. So I suppose yeah, you one just have to accept accept that that it's okay and then that's what the issue is and then just tell tell somebody that you trust. Not that they'll maybe do anything about it, but that's the process of yeah. It's just okay even even just. Even just saying something, isn't it? It's huge. But that's that's interesting that you say, like, I just want to kind of like make a little link of what you said about um, as an athlete, how you, um, you know, you went through an experience of, you know, doing an ACL or doing your hamstring and then how you then built that or from that, you got the experience that helped you as now a a practitioner to help Mm. someone who did uh, a similar injury. How do you can go through that similar kind of rehabilitation and return to play kind of stuff? And it's now, you know, not many people think of it the other way around in terms of their mental health. So you would have gone through that experience as an athlete thinking about, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm, but in the back of your head, you're not really. You've mm-hmm. trained yourself that way. And then you've responded by like, okay, I've gone and seeked help, which has been fantastic. And you've asked for yeah. help. You've talked about it and you've gone through that. You've gone through that experience. Now as a practitioner, you can, same thing as an ACL or, or a hamstring tear. Now, as a practitioner, you can go through, okay, I know what you're going through. It's all right to talk. You know, it's, yeah. it's fine to talk. You're kind of transitioning that, tr- that training from experience now to uh, the teaching role kind of thing, which I think you don't have to look at it just like a physical kind of thing. You ha- now we can look at it as a, as a mental health kind of practice as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's probably been, like I said, the blessing in disguise as much as I hate how many times I've been stuck in rehab and mm-hmm. been in some not great places mentally. I'm like, hey, it's helped me become a better person and then practitioner to other people and, and given me the opportunity to work and connect with some of my best friends now because they were there for me in times where I was really struggling. So yeah, to have them as, you know, as much as it would be nice to have met those people without having to go through all that stuff, it's, mm. yeah, a blessing in disguise. But if I can learn anything to avoid that from other people so they don't, they can learn the stuff that I learned without having to go through the shit times to get there, then I think that's, that's what I kind of want. That's my, I suppose, main purpose of doing what I'm doing so I can help the most people that I can avoid yep. some of the shit scenarios that I have to go through. Yep, perfect, perfect. Really well, uh, good answer and good advice. But anyway, back to the concise questions. Look, one more, <laughs> one more for you and it's going to be, uh, what are your non-negotiables? Now, it doesn't have to be just about work just what are your non-negotiables uh honest honesty um just tell the truth whatever you believe that that is be upfront with people um respect respect the facility that you're in the people that you're working with and the people around you um and yeah just be i suppose it's a combination of the two just be true to yourself and honest with who you are like mm-hmm. if you don't like something or you do tell that person they're only going to be appreciative of the fact that you told them um and yeah always be your absolute genuine self i think that will only get you to the best places and if you're not then people will work that out and nobody wants to be that person that everyone kind of like, well they're fake um mm. so yeah and i think that stems into like my footy um and then i suppose yeah work hard like nothing's going to get handed to you on a plate i don't care who you are just work work hard for whatever you're going to give and at least then you know I've done my best like there's nothing more I could have done you know if I never get to play AFL again hopefully I do but if I don't I know that I left no stone unturned I know that I was true to myself and and worked and respected the people around me so sometimes there are people that I don't think 
were the best at what they did, but at no point I didn't respect what they said um, mm. or respect why they were telling me to do something. Yeah, okay, I had different opinions, but we tried to discuss them and work through that. So, yeah, they're probably my biggest three, I think, in, in any realm of life, work, relationships, football, family. Yeah. That's, Perfect. yeah. I agree. I, I like those. I like those. Um, and then I got one more. Um, there's a few of the other ones, but what is your best dad joke? Oh, yep. Best dad joke. Um, sorry, we're a sandwich I'm... sandwich artist slash AFL player slash uh, comedian. Give it to me. What do you got? Uh, I don't think I'm a very funny person. <laughs> I don't even have anything. That's fine. I'm worse at jokes. I suck. <laughs> No, that's fine. That's fine. You know, I don't answer that. But sometimes people, oh, um, <laughs> no, it's all right. And if you're my set, my first person, I have a return guest on the show. Maybe you can go ahead and research one and then come back with a really good one. Yeah, definitely. I'll mm-hmm. next if I ever come back on the show, I'll have one, have one in my head. But no, I'm, I, I think everyone's always like, you're such a serious person. And I'm like, yep, that's why I probably can't come up with a joke. Oh, I've definitely, some of my teammates at West Coast, um, Kate Orm, I'll give her a little shout out. She's probably one of the funniest people I know. Like we'd sit there, the like, slideshow or whatever wouldn't be working in team meetings. So she just like rattle off like three or four and you're like, they're actually pretty funny. And mm. I'm like, how do you just just bank? Like, and she'd never tell the same one twice. I'm like, how do you have so many? Okay, like, so you need, you need to have a chat with her. And next time we come back on here, we'll uh, we'll work out a we'll work out a good joke. All right. I'll but, um, with one. You've got you've given out some pretty good advice this entire podcast, which has been awesome. So thank you very much for that. But what would you have you got any more any uh, little tips and tricks off the top of your head for any students or coaches coming through the system at the moment? I suppose biggest thing, and I know everyone probably says this, but just genuinely believe in yourself and find a really good mentor or mentors that are willing to go the full journey with you. Like I've been really lucky. I had some really good teachers at high school. Um, and then some amazing people that I've got to work with. Um, you can name drop them. Liv Del Basso, my boss, Ryan Gaius, um, a couple of physios, Rebecca Yip, Kaylee Payne, um, you know, amazing people that I've got to work with who've been, you know, my, my journey hasn't been very smooth sailing, but those those four people particularly have, have come on board and have stuck, stuck by me through thick and thin and, you know, have become really good friends and people that I can turn to about, you know, relationship advice or you know, family issues or you know, study stuff and just anything like they've been, you know, been there for me, not just in a rehab sense. Um, so yeah, my biggest advice to anyone would be like, find someone or people that you can, can relate to and that will come, come on board with you because I think that's the greatest experience and like a mentor that will ride the way with you. You don't really want someone that's just going to tell you the answers, which I've been really lucky the people that I've worked with, they don't tell me what I need to know, but they're like, mm. but I'll come support you and help you find the answer, even yeah, if perfect. I already know it, which is the best way you learn as long as you do it. So yeah, find someone that will, will hold hold your hand basically and go through the crap with you um, mm-hmm. and, and then help you on the other side. So that would be my biggest piece of advice to anyone. I know they're pretty hard people to find and, and you have to kind of do it naturally and organically. But if you, if you do get the opportunity to work with people like that, then it will set you up yeah really, really well for sure good advice really good advice and and saying that what's next for you then and um if people want to get back in touch with you what's the best way to get in touch with you yep uh what's next for me um just deciding at the moment whether to head over to south australia play the nfl and maybe try and get picked up um by one of their aflw teams but worst nice. comes to worst um 
you know, go over there, learn a few things, work with some different gyms over there um, and different SSA staff to try and pick their brains and learn a few more things and bring that back um, to Subiaco and to where I work at the moment, Lugis, and make me a better coach and make the places that I work at better facilities to try and deliver the best program possible. Um, best place to contact me, um, you can email me, um, bdevlin18 at gmail.com or I have um, Instagram, that's probably the easiest place to find anybody nowadays. Um, I think my handle is B Strength and Conditioning. Um, or just look up Beatrice Devlin and you'll probably find me. I have my mm. private account, so don't message me on there. That's you know me doing fun things with my dog, basically. Um, but you heard it here. Don't account, message yeah. the private account. <laughs> um, but public account, yeah, you'll be able to find that easily, and it's pretty clear who that is. Not that there's much difference between what I post because sport is my favorite thing, so <laughs> it's the same basically. Yeah, but, I understand yeah. that. I understand that. Um, I, I similarly, I've got two different, I think I've got three, actually, it's ridiculous, but I've got a, a few different accounts and oh. I'm more, more tempted towards deleting the personal one than the, <laughs> the coaching one. So I think it I, shows. if you look at, I think I run about five, like I've got mine, my, my two, and then I run, so I have a podcast as well. So I run that um, oh, nice. and then I run it. Yeah. Then I run our socials here at Ludus and then I have one for my dog. Cause oh, cause <laughs> fantastic. What's, um, what's your podcast called? Uh, the buzz with B. So the buzz yeah. with B. I'm definitely checking that. I'll put. I'll, I'll chuck that out as well as the other um, Instagram and um, your email in the show notes, as well as the, yeah. the buzz with B, and maybe I'll the share this along. Yeah, for sure. And maybe the uh, maybe your dog's Instagram might get a little bit of a tag as well. Uh, Sheep of the Doberman. Sheep of the Doberman. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, Beatrice, thank you very much for your time. I really do appreciate it. I've got some uh, a lot out of this chat today. I'm sure that everybody else that has a listen to this will definitely get the same amount that I did. Um, but apart from that, we've run out of time. But this is gold. I love it. I love it in the chat with you. Um, no, thank you. No, thank you very much. And if you have, we'll hang on, we'll have a bit more of a chat after this. But apart from that, we're all done. Thanks, Sam. So thank you, Beatrice, for jumping on this episode. Um, I got a lot, of this, a lot out of this episode, and especially how she combated her, her both her physical and her mental struggles uh, as an athlete in the AFLW, and now as a practitioner within the same sport and within the strength conditioning industry. So, how she overcame her injuries and did her um, rehabilitation, and also how she overcame her mental struggles. Now she got out of that "I'm fine" mindset and really started to open up and talk to people. So, again, thank you very much, Beatrice. I'll be checking out your podcast from here on, from here on out, and also uh, checking out what Shiva the Doberman is up to. Uh, on Instagram but yeah if anything today has triggered anything within your own mental health please feel free to contact myself or um, Beatrice a lot of her contact details will be below and thank you to Sustainable Sports for sponsoring this episode as well as uh, Stance for providing music for this episode but apart from that that's all we have time for so thank you very much and I'll speak to you next week